Good morning, everyone. Gosh, I thought there weren't going to be many people, but there looks like there are loads of you, and you all seem very close. But that's good. That's good. Thank you. I can't see where you are. I keep looking in that direction. Um, we have developed, I think, in, in our family a little bit of a tradition that started when my younger son was um, about 15 and has carried on for over 10 years, whereby that once a year I have, we have a mother and son week. So we, we go somewhere in the country into a nice cottage, um, and I usually have a, a chat with him about where he wants to go. Um, and last year we did this, and he said, oh, I'd quite like to go to Kent. So I made the arrangements, sorted out the cottage, we arrive, and then he says, Mum, how did Kent become Wookie in Somerset? Because that's where we ended up. Who wouldn't want to go to Wookie? Because it just sounds wonderful, isn't it? Wookie hole, Wookie in Somerset. So that's where we ended up. So he wanted Kent, we ended up in Somerset. It's a bit, it just reminded me a little bit as I was preparing this of, the, of that story, really. Um, that when I was away on holiday and I was asking God, what should I be bringing? What should I be speaking on? Um, I thought we, I was going to be talking from Philippians. But we have ended up, not in Philippians, but in John chapter 10. Um, which is the story of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And I just felt very much that um, there's been some really good word recently. But when Dan was speaking about being still and knowing God, he went into John 10. Um, and I think a lot of what's come this morning ties up with, with John 10 and Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And I just felt that you can have all sorts of fancy reasons for bringing a word. Um, but I just felt that God is wanting to bring a calm and peace in our understanding who Jesus is as the Good Shepherd. And there's a sense of being calm. I always think shepherds, I don't know much about sheep and shepherds, but I always think of it being a calm a shepherd being a very calm influence, not somebody that's that's tearing around, screeching at the sheep all the time. And as we're still before Jesus, we can know something of the peace he has within himself as the shepherd of the flock for us. So we're going to read verses 1 to 18 together. And then I'm going to just look back at some verses to remind us of how knowing Jesus as the good shepherd gives us the sense of security, the sense of peace, and the sense of confidence we need to live whole and healthy lives together. I'm going to have to have a drink because I'm very, very dry, so excuse me. Um, So John 10, verses 1 to 18. It's the New Living Translation. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. 
I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. He's changing his illustration there a little bit. He was the, the, um, he's now become the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to. And also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. As I said, I don't know a great deal. And I'm sure most of us here don't know a great deal about sheep. um, Because this is an illustration that would have meant something to the people of that time. It's not an unusual image to have of God in the Old Testament and it's uh, not an unusual um, image to have in the New Testament as well of God as a shepherd and it's all related actually to leadership so Abraham Jacob Moses David and Amos were all shepherds when God is described as a shepherd of Israel this is a picture of his reign his kingly reign his leadership so if there is a shepherd, there must also be sheep. And Psalm 95, 7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And there's a lovely illustration in, in Luke twelve thirty two where Jesus is talking about not worrying about um, our possessions, not worrying about money, not worrying about things that God will provide to us, where he says, So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. So what's the job description of a shepherd? Um, I'm sure they don't really get one, but what's the job description if you're writing one for a shepherd? The main responsibility is to ensure the safety and welfare of the flock. They provide pasture. They provide good food. They provide water for weary sheep exhausted from the heat. And they protect the flock from harm. And they also keep and bind the flock together. I'm sure there's lots of other things as well, but there's some important things that a shepherd does. And this needs a lot of skill and dedication. I was watching a program um, about New Zealand, and they were talking about there's so many sheep. I mean, they outnumber people, I think. Well, they do, don't they, in New Zealand? There's so many sheep. And they just roam for miles And when they have to bring them in and and collect them up to do whatever they need to do, I think to bring them down to more um, lush pastures, 
it, it took these people about two days. They have to go out hiking up the hills and the mountains to get these sheep in. And it takes them about two days to bring the flock down. It requires a lot of skill and a lot of dedication. And in this passage in John 10, Jesus identifies himself as the shepherd. Not just any shepherd, but a shepherd par excellence, the best. Not just a shepherd, but the shepherd. He is good at what he does, but it's more than a job for him. He, he fits that job description. He does all those things. But it's more than a job for him. There's a lovely verse I just love in Isaiah 40, which actually comes from the passage where at the top of it is headed in my Bible, comfort for God's people. And Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Compassion and love just flow out of those, that verse. This is more than a job. It's more than a career dream achieved for someone that wants to be a shepherd. It's about love for the young, the vulnerable, and those on the margins. A tenderness and compassion for the sheep that overrides duty. And I just love, I love that. Anything to do with the heart. The heart, the seat of the emotions, the spring of all desires. David, it says, David who was a shepherd... King David was a man after God's own heart. And in John 1.18, I've quoted this before, I just love that because it describes Jesus as being near to the Father's heart. And because of that, that's where we are. We are near, we're near to the Father's heart. Jesus tends us because we are close to his heart, which, is his, which like his nature, is totally good. We've been singing, haven't we, what a good God we have. What a good God we have. It's his nature. He can never be anything than totally good. He is totally invested in the flock. And remember, that's us. That's us. He is totally invested in the flock. And he is the one who has the authority to walk through the gate. He has the authority to walk through the gate because we are his sheep, his own possession. He never needs to sneak over the wall. And there's a peace and there's a stillness about the way Jesus shepherds the flock, which comes from a confidence in his authority. Jesus knows who he is. He knows who he is. In Matthew and Luke's gospel, there's, um, most of us will know this, a parable about a lost sheep where Jesus leaves the 99 to go after them and bring home the one who is lost. But I get the impression that he is never phased by the lost sheep. He never panics. You know that, that moment, I'm sure people, parents here, have had that moment sometimes when you're out shopping with a child maybe or on your crowded beach and you lose sight of your child and you are filled with panic and you, you tear all over the place. You start shouting for them because that panic grips you. But I don't get that feeling with Jesus that as he goes out, panic never grips him. He is never in the grip of panic and fear. And he's never afraid, but he sets out to restore the lost sheep and bring it back without fear of failure and with great joy. So he has the authority as a shepherd that gives him a right to find his own sheep that are lost. 
And I think that gives us a security, a deep security, because he is the good shepherd who holds us close to his heart so we can know that we are safe whatever's happening and whatever tries to come against us, whatever tries to sneak over the wall of the sheepfold. And we also know that as we trust Jesus, I believe he trusts us as well. Because there's a sense in which he's left 99. They might be penned up, I don't know, they might not be. They they might have been out in pasture and the sheep has wandered away. But he is not afraid to trust those sheep that are left, to trust them that they won't wander themselves from him. So if we look at verse 3 in John 10. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. There's some wonderful things on YouTube, actually, pictures of um, people trying to call flocks of sheep, just strangers standing. I mean, I would have shown it, but I think we didn't really have the time. But um, if you just go on, on YouTube, there's pictures of people just standing in front of a flock of sheep, calling them. And the sheep just totally, totally ignore them. And then their shepherd stands in front of them and just calls to them. And they just come. And there's one actually where the, the, listen, I haven't spent all my time looking at YouTube clips because that is not a total good, but for this purposes. Um, And then I'm telling them what I'm not actually showing you, which is really bad, but still. And there's one where it's really misty. And this man, this shepherd is calling and calling. And you, and you can't see anything. And then suddenly all these sheep appear out of the mist and just come to him. And they just come up so close to him. It's just amazing. Um, and I believe there's a calling for each one of us as individuals that is purposeful and meaningful. So when the shepherd looks at his sheep, I think sheep actually are a bit hard done by. That um, sheep are probably a lot more intelligent than we give them credit for. Because I think they can recognize the face of their shepherd as well. Um, but when the shepherd looks at his sheep, he doesn't just see a mass of faceless white wool. We as part of God's flock are not faceless and nameless to him. When he calls us, Jesus calls us by name. He knows us and everything about us. Everything about us. We've all been called individually and he knows us through and through. He's the one who understands us perfectly. You know those times that he understands us better than we understand ourselves? When you say to yourself, why do I do this? Why do I constantly repeat this thing which I don't want to do? Jesus knows. He understands why we do those things. But he accepts us completely. He doesn't come to judge, but to forgive and to heal. I found a bit of a scary thing in the Bible, actually. There's probably quite a few scary things. But Matthew 7 says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And actually, that's quite scary. When you think about how you, how I judge people, how quick I am to make judgments on people, by the standard I judge other people is a standard I will be judged. And I tell you, I judge, we judge often much more harshly one another than Jesus ever judges us. Because he is not in the business of judging. He never overlooks us. I think a lot of people in society nowadays feel overlooked. But God, Jesus never overlooks us. When we stand before God, we stand naked before him actually. We stand just as we are. I don't know whether to tell you this. Some people know this. I just, I once had a word. I will tell you and I've said that. I'm not sure whether to tell you. Um, 
I once had a word some, year, it was some years ago, and it was about um, God wanting us to go deeper with him. And I had a picture of, and I came up and shared this, I had a picture of the sea, and we were all standing on the seashore, and God was wanting us not just to stand on the edge, but to come deeper and deeper in with him. So I brought this word, and then I got to a bit, and I thought, the way God had shown it to me, we didn't have any clothes on. And I thought, do you know, I thought, I can't, I can't, I can't bring that. It feels a bit embarrassing to bring that, because I think I'm much more prudish than God is ever prudish. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to bring that, so I, I wanted to bring, I tell you that now because it's not good to knock bits off. It's not good to add bits to prophetic words, but it's not good to knock bits off, really. But he was saying that everything is open to me. You are totally, I see you just totally, as you are, totally stripped of everything. But still loves us. Still accepting us. We may try to cover ourselves up. We can cover all sorts of things up and hide from other people. But we can never fool God. He sees what we try to be, but he still loves us. And wants to enter into a relationship of us to enter into a relationship. Actually, and him to enter into a relationship of intimacy with us. The intimacy he has with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We know that God has no favourites. It says in Colossians, God has no favourites. But Richard Raw, who is a favourite of some of us here, Franciscan monk, says, The love God has for each soul is unique, which is why any saved person always feels beloved, chosen, and even God's favourite. A bit like Bruce Forsyth. Do you remember on Strictly when he used to say to, to the couple, a couple, You're my favourites. And then to the next couple, You're my favourites. Let's have that from God. You're my favourite. We know he doesn't have favourites, but you're my favourite. You're my favourite. We're all his favourites. And because he has called me to intimacy with him, I can call Jesus my shepherd. My shepherd. Those of us who are part of his flock, his people, his community, have each been the lost sheep. We've all been the lost sheep, restored to a relationship with Jesus. And it's important that we develop this relationship with him throughout our lives. And this has come up from what's just been shared this morning. We cannot survive on other people's relationship with Jesus. It will not carry us through. We need to have our own relationship that we build, which allows us to hear the voice of our shepherd. We cannot rely on other people's faith and other people's relationship. In difficult times, it will not carry us through. But I haven't come to know Jesus just to say, I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm in the fold, I'm saved, everything is fine. God's plan is much bigger than my individual salvation. It's much bigger than our individual salvation. It isn't about me in my small corner allowing my little light to shine. But it's about us coming together. Us allowing our lights to shine. Was in it, we visited a, um, a big house, an English heritage house recently. And I think I've talked about chandeliers before. But there was a wonderful chandelier. And it's now lit by um, electricity. But I said to the room steward, oh, it wouldn't have been wonderful when it was lit by candlelight. It must have looked beautiful. And it must have looked beautiful. But he said, actually, not really. He said, you would have needed so many candles to make a good, clear light. And it's not quantity, but one light can never shine. One light can, can do a lot in darkness. But multiple lights can just shine out with so much 
bigger a message and power. The Old Testament references to God as a shepherd always refer to the care of a people, actually, rather than individuals. We live in a very individualistic society. And often our care and concern only seems to extend as far as our nuclear families. All I'm bothered about is my... It's good to be bothered about your family, but when it becomes your only obsession, your only care, I'm just concerned about me and mine and nobody else. And I think we like that because we can be in control and set the rules in our own families. We can be very self-obsessed, but God's plan has always been about making mankind part of one body. A free fellowship of people united in God's love and living in harmony together. And with the presence of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Coming back to another image we've used. Dancing together with Jesus at the centre. As our focus. Verse 4. Take you just back to here. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Jesus gathers a flock of which I am one. And each one of us here is, is part of the flock, part of the greater whole. We recognize the voice of the good shepherd and we come to him. And, and Dan was talking last week about the need for stillness and noise, how much noise there is around us. There are lots of voices that call to us. Not just externally, but internally as well. And I think Dan was talking about how it's good to not, how easy it is to be distracted. So that when you go to read the word, you can be distracted if you're doing it electronically. To look at an email or something else like that. We can be distracted, but we can also make a lot of our own internal noise. Sometimes, you know, you can think, right, I'm going to pray, I'm going to sit down, I'm just taking the Bible, I'm not taking an iPad, I'm not taking a phone, I'm going to be still before God and see where he takes me, and then I get all these voices in my head. I've got this to do, I've got that to do, oh, well, I haven't really got much time, I've got, um, and then all, all, everything that piles in there. But the voice that really matters is the voice of the shepherd. And we need to tune into the sound of his voice, which if we still our spirits, we'll be able to hear amidst all the other noise. And this is a voice we know, and this is a voice we can trust. And it's a voice of calm, it's a voice of peace, and it's a voice of authority. And Dan touched on this as well, how when he went running, but he didn't have his earphones in, um, he not only heard things... But he saw things as well. There's a a sense in which hearing his voice leads us to the waking up of other senses. As we take time to hear, we also begin to see clearly what's around us. Like Dan said, he began to see there was a river. He began to see the beauty of nature. We begin to realize that there is more. And we begin to see more clearly. We begin to understand more about ourselves in our relationship with God. We begin to know more about him. We begin to see there's a world around us. Jesus, in, I'm not going to say much about this, but in verse 16, Jesus says he has other sheep that need bringing into the fold. And he is the one who is moved when he sees sheep without a shepherd. And that's how our hearts should be. We need to know that in the, the pastures where we roam, there is a gate out into the world. And as we spend time with him, we become alert to the needs around us. As we're still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act, as it says in Psalm 36, verse 7. So in verse 4, Jesus walks ahead of the flock, the sheep follow him. Jesus has the authority to command, actually. 
and to demand that we follow him. Because of his position, he has the, he really has the right to command and demand that we follow. But he doesn't force and he never coerces. He leads, he leads and we follow. Richard Ross says he doesn't operate uninvited or undesired. He leads, he goes before and the sheep follow because they know his voice. They know he speaks tenderly to the flock he loves and his words can be trusted. So he, he leads, he's been where he's asking us to follow him. So Jesus is not only the good shepherd, but he's also the lamb. He's also the lamb. He's the shepherd. He's also the lamb that was slain. His care for us has come through personal suffering and death on a cross. His love came from a laying down of his will and his self. True authority. He laid down his true authority. He laid down who he was. He laid down his position. You know, that's often so hard for us, isn't it? I thought I was going to be talking about this from Philippians, really. Jesus not clinging, not clinging onto things, but laying down his position. He became human and suffered as the Lamb of God, bearing the sins of the world and coming to seek out the lost. And it says in verse 17, his life was laid down voluntarily. He was truly King of Kings. He was truly Lord of Lords. But he chose to lay down his position and know what it was to be truly human. He didn't cling to what was rightfully his. And how much do we do that? We cling to stuff which is rightfully ours, but we also try and cling to stuff which isn't rightfully ours sometimes. He isn't a hired hand who'll run away when danger looms because it's cost him too much to abandon us. He goes with us on the journey. He's yoked together with us on the journey. He's one of the oxen on the journey. I heard someone talking about this and he said, Jesus isn't the one that drives the oxen. Jesus is the one who is yoked together with us as the oxen on the journey. And then verse 9. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Jesus also gives his sheep freedom. In order for the sheep to thrive, they need to have good pasture. We cannot, the sheep aren't designed to be caged in a pen, actually. If you stick sheep in a pen, I do sound like I'm being knowledgeable about sheep, but I really don't think about it. If you stick them in a pen, there won't be the the water and the, the nutrients and everything that they need when they're stuck in a pen. They need good pasture. Jesus doesn't come to cage us. He doesn't come to cage us in a pen. Nobody can survive or thrive when they're inhibited. But we need to be allowed to roam and to find good pasture. Sheep can roam large distances and have to be resilient. I was listening to what Ruth was saying about resilience. Sometimes they go up into quite barren places, sheep, but they have to build in resilience as they find themselves in more barren places where they need to find sustenance and good pasture. We need to feed on the good pastures of the word that's brought during the meetings. Reading the words, stealing ourselves in God's presence, praying together. These things help us to help to sustain us when the pastures don't seem so green and difficult circumstances face us. We roam in freedom, but we also roam together. 
the sheep, when you see sheep, they, they might be dotted around, but there are so many of them. When you see these things on YouTube and they all come rushing out, there are so many of them. We roam in freedom, but we roam together. We are accountable to one another and we support one another. We can't find good pasture and keep it to ourselves. I can't roam off like a little sheep and find a lovely verdant bit of, of area of pasture and keep it to myself. We can't take our own individual roots so that we become the lost and lone sheep again. But when we know that Jesus has everything under control, there is a sense of peace and security amongst the sheep. There is a sense of peace and security to know he is the good, he's the good shepherd. We can live in a sense of peace, purpose and liberty. The shepherd is always in control, but he's not constantly controlling the sheep. So there are times we need to take responsibility, like Ruth was talking about. We need to take responsibility for building our own maturity and and responsibility for our lives and finding the good things we need to bring us healthy living. When we know the shepherd has everything under control, we can live with a sense of peace and purpose. We can feed on good, fertile land, but also find sustenance in barren times. Jesus' purpose, it says in verse 10, was to bring a fullness of life. A fullness that isn't dependent upon your circumstances. So we understand that we have a shepherd whose heart is for us. His heart is for us. His heart is for us. And can be known by us. Who is totally, totally committed to us. Who knows us as individuals but counts us as part of his flock doesn't drive us but leads and goes before us, sets us free to be in relationship with him and with one another. And he is always at peace, whatever happens. So we can function securely and confidently as individuals, called for a purpose and a community enjoying rich and satisfying lives together in the peace he brings, whatever is happening around us and whatever changes life might bring. I just like, can I just just pray? Um, I think I mentioned last time I preached about having been away at the Westwood Centre just for a day of stillness, I suppose, and just seeking God. And he led me to um, Psalm 23, which, as we all know, is the Lord is my shepherd. And I read it, and then he just, I just wrote, I suppose, what was on my heart, which is like a paraphrase of Psalm 23. And I'd just like to, us to read this. I'll read it prayerfully for us. Um, yeah. If we just ask God to speak to you through this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. He leads me. He goes before me. He clears the way. He makes sure I have all I need for my journey. He makes sure we have all we need for our journey. He watches over me. He tends me. He heals my wounds. He binds up my wounds. He washes me clean. He watches over my heart and provides all I need and much I desire. He provides rest in good and abundant places. And I am led by peaceful streams, even when there is turmoil and turbulence all around me. 
You make me strong again when I feel weak and lead me in the right direction on the right paths so I don't get lost on the way. In all of this, your name is honoured. Sometimes the days are dark, but you tell me I don't need to be afraid because you are close by, even if I don't feel your presence. You say there is always hope. Your rod and staff, symbols of your shepherd's heart, protect and comfort me. What's more, you set out a feast for me right in the middle of my enemies. You even honour me by anointing me with oil and blessings pour down and overflow from you to me and out to others. Your goodness and love will always chase me down and I will always live with and for you, my good and loving shepherd of my soul. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Can I just say one more thing? Um, if anything has touched you from any of that, if you just feel, um, I would love to pray with anyone at the end. If, if you feel that God has touched you in any way through there, that there are things that God has just touched your heart, you'll know if God has touched your heart. And I'm sure other people will, will pray for you as well. But I would love to pray if you want to seek me out at the end. Thank you.